0: Hey, it's Ian Altman. My guest this week is Jason Walker. Jason's the Vice President of Sales at GPS Insight out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I I had the pleasure of speaking with Jason's group about a year ago, and they've actually had some explosive growth, and they're doing so many things right that I asked Jason to come on and share some of their experiences and how they've implemented same-side selling to achieve just Fantastic results in their organization. And keep in mind, it's more about what they're doing than necessarily what I shared with them because I can give you any idea in the world, but if you don't do the actual work, you don't get the results. We're going to talk about how Jason's team has implemented same-side selling within their sales organization, how they've adapted their CRM system, um, NetSuite to use same-side selling, and how they've actually used same-side selling across their organization in customer experience and in broader ways to drive results for their customers. You're going to learn a ton from Jason Walker. Jason Walker, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Can you share something surprising about you that people may not know?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, if you wanted to hear something like that, you probably should have had my my wife on or or maybe my my college roommate. They've got all the the good stories, uh, and especially the ones that we can't share. Um, But if I had to think of maybe one thing that's uh, somewhat interesting, uh, I was actually uh, in one of the worst movies ever made. Really? Which movie? People got to know now. Well, do you remember a movie uh, a long time ago called American Graffiti? Yeah. It wasn't that one. It was <laughs> the sequel, which was called More American Graffiti. Ah. Yeah, I'm not and familiar with that one. I guess, was, I guess it, maybe you're right. Maybe it was the worst no, movie ever. <laughs> it, was, uh, it makes most uh, worst movies lists and is certainly the worst movie ever made by George Lucas.
0: <laughs> wow. But at least you get to work with George, so that's
1: good. Well, I was in it for about two seconds, so um, it doesn't really count. But it's a story, nevertheless.
0: Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure George tells the story. So there I was with Jason. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that happens all the time. <laughs> I well, that's the way I tell it. Exactly, I'm sure. So, so at GPS Insight, you guys have had some extraordinary growth over the last year or so. And so I wanted you on to kind of share that story and share some of the secrets that you've implemented to have the success that you've had. So first, give us kind of an overview, maybe a little bit of GPS Insight, and then what sort of growth
1: you've seen, and then we'll unpack it from there. Absolutely. So GPS Insight is a commercial GPS fleet tracking company. And we really focus on helping our customers identify areas within their fleet and really the organization overall where they can improve things in in four key areas. And we like to break them down into these areas, which would be efficiency, productivity, um, improving their customer experience, and then an area that I call community value, which is really centered around issues like safety, um, maybe reducing carbon footprint, things like that. And really the, the benefit of the solution that we offer to organizations is that we help them reduce risk, increase revenue, and then reduce costs.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously people are familiar with GPS tracking, and there are a lot of different solutions and platforms and different technologies at different levels. I mean, you know, we all spend lives where we can see that our, our car knows where it's at, and we've got navigation, and, and we've, you know, we can see – when our Uber driver is showing up or when a package is being delivered. Um, but obviously, there's much more to it than what the typical consumer sees.
1: Absolutely. It, it's really only limited by an organization's or, a, or a, a company's creativity with what they want to do with the data that they're collecting. So there's so many examples that you can, you can use, but, you know, we can do things like corrective uh, behavior for drivers, uh, you know, reduce... You know, speeding incidents accidents uh, lower insurance costs uh, and that's just like one one side of things and you can get into productivity so so people are making more stops during the day uh, driving more revenue for an organization so it, there's really no limit to what you can do you're only limited by your creativity with the solution
0: yeah and 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 what sort of growth have you guys seen over the last year and
1: what sort of changes have you seen in your sales organization So over the last year, we've grown by about 30%. And really the, the biggest change that I've seen in my sales organization over the last year is how we're talking to our customers about what they're trying to accomplish. So really doing a better job of understanding the issues that they have, how those issues are impacting their business, and then how we can help them Change those and probably most importantly, and this is, I think, the most important change, how we're going to measure them for them so that they know when they've bought our solution, it's actually driving the ROI that it was intended to do.
0: That's awesome. Now, now, 30% growth in a year, is that typical to what you've been
1: seeing in the past? Yes, um, I, so, but at the caveat there is we're doing it with fewer people. And actually, this year, we've, we're, we're doing it with uh, a more effective um, uh, cost. So, okay. you know, I think there's been tremendous improvement on the sales side in terms of, um, like, I don't want to talk about close rates per se, but the speed with which we get to issues with customers, help them understand the importance, and then execute on getting started with us has really improved. And it's been great for our customers, and it's been great for us.
0: Yeah, and it, and it sounds like you're just operating in a more efficient manner now than than you were in the past.
1: I think much more so. And it's not just been on the sales side. We've actually incorporated the, the process of same-side selling from the beginning of our customer experience on the marketing side, just in how we talk to customers about the value that they might be able to get with a solution like ours. And driven that through things like webinars, blogs, video, drip campaigns that we do for marketing, and then also into our sales team, which we already talked about. But then even more importantly, we've brought that process to our account managers or our customer success managers so that when they're working with our customers, they understand what they're trying to accomplish and then use a lot of the techniques and questions to make sure that we're continuously building value for the customer and driving more savings.
0: Yep. And, and do you do you find that that you're competing kind of at a different level where people now have a better understanding of what you do compared to what else is out there?
1: All the time. So, so one tell, of me, my tell favor- me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things that we'll hear – from prospects, whether it's at a trade show, um, over the phone, or or at a a meeting is, is, wow, we've met with five other companies and no one's asked us that question yet. And again, that question could be several different ones depending on the scenario, but it's the same side selling question really about their business and us trying to understand what they're trying to accomplish instead of talking about maybe features of functionality that Quite frankly, all of our competitors share with us, um, but it's not a differentiator. The questions help us differentiate what we truly do well, and that is add more value, and it helps them see that, and it helps build trust in that relationship, which is really important.
0: Yeah, I remember we were talking. You you mentioned some of the results you're starting to see just in how you position it with, like, webinars and the results you're seeing now versus what you would have seen a year ago. So. Share, share with us some of that information as well in terms of how this positioning is changing and driving different results for you, even with webinars and marketing.
1: Absolutely. So one of the things that we do with our webinars is really structure them in the quadrant format. So we'll talk through issue, impact, and results. And focus on specific challenges that we know prospects and, and customers that we have are facing. And then how they can solve these with GPS tracking. One of the uh, webinars that we did was really focused on four ways to improve efficiency with GPS tracking. We had a tremendous uh, turnout for the for the webinar, and ended up converting about eighty three percent of the people that attended that webinar into customers, based on some of the positioning and values, or value, I should say, that we were able to show. By positioning this in the same side quadrants,
0: yeah. And and my question for you is this: Do you do you happen to know? And you may not. Do you happen to know what the conversion rate used to be? You know, if you look back, you know, a year or two ago, what it looked like, in even rough numbers,
1: maybe twenty percent. And I bet it was like ten. Yeah, that's off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. And and one of the things I just want people to get is that by by positioning by positioning yourselves around the problems you solve. It makes it so that the person listening either says, yeah, I have that problem, so I want to learn more, or they say, I don't really have those problems, so this isn't that important to me, as opposed to if you if you, you, know, basically show, you know, throw out a whole bunch of features and benefits, then you're relying on the client figuring out why they need it. And unfortunately, they don't know your products and services as well as you do, so they don't necessarily know why they need it, and if they don't understand why they need it, they're not going to buy it. And um, so I think having that messaging, it's one of the things that I think most organizations, when I first bring that up, are a little bit hesitant. Um, And I think even when we're talking to your team, it's like, look, so don't talk about what it does. Talk about what the problems are. And I think your team initially looked at
1: me like, are you crazy? (laughs) Like, We can't do that. (laughs) Well, I always loved it, and it was what we were always trying to communicate to them. And I think what I really – loved about the same side process is how simple it was. And it's really easy to take a piece of paper, draw X on it and start explaining to people why you want to talk about issues first and then the impact just to show how this might be able to help them. Because again, we don't have any interest in selling something to anyone if we're not going to be able to help them. That doesn't do them any good and it doesn't do us any good. And the more that we can show value, the more interest we have, and the more we are able to build value for our customers and keep them for a much, much longer time, which is what everyone's goal is. So, so Jason, how how does this how does this impact
0: other areas of the business? Like, so now you've taken someone, you, you've got marketing where the messaging is dead on, so you're attracting the right people. They better understand what you're doing for their business, so it's resulting in a shorter sales cycle. So how does it work now once it gets into your sales organization? Um, Because I know you've done some things in terms of integrating some of the same-side selling concepts into your CRM. So how does that work?
1: So one of the things that we did after we had you out at our sales conference was we started looking at all the areas of the business where we could kind of drive this process uh, so that we could make sure that we had it going all the way through the customer life cycle. What we did from a sales ops perspective, and my team is, I first of all, just have an absolutely awesome team from the marketing side to the sales side on the account management side that did all the work here. So I'm talking about this, but these guys were the ones that actually implemented this. And they took the same side quadrants and built them into our NetSuite application, which we use for CRM. And so when a sales rep is working on a prospect and they are gathering information about what the things are that we might be able to do to help them, those are going directly into the CRM system. Once that prospect becomes a customer, that information goes directly to the new account manager or customer success manager so that the the manager of that team sees the information, the account manager sees that information, so that our first conversation with the customer is about exactly what they are trying to accomplish with the solution, and we already know what they're trying to do, but more importantly, how it was discussed that we would measure it together so that when we start the training and the setup, we know who needs to be involved, how we're going to set the training up, and then how we're going to measure everything going forward to make sure they're getting the value that was promised by the salesperson. And and that's a much bigger shift Probably than anything else, because we don't have to start over with that conversation from the account management side once we have a new customer. And I think that's been probably one of the things I've been most excited about since you were here.
0: And and how do how do how do the clients respond or react? Do you do you notice any difference?
1: <laughs> They'll say thank you for knowing that already. First of all, <laughs> um, but but it's also again we, we help them through. Th- that thought process about how to measure, because I think that's one of the things that, that most of our customers struggle with, and I think most people struggle with when they buy new products and, and software applications, is, okay, now we've got this great tool that we know can help us, but how are we going to use it? And then also, how are we going to measure what we're doing? And if you don't have that identified at the beginning, it, you, you, it's really hard to be as successful as you could be. If you start with a great plan in place. So I think they're very grateful. I think it gets us off to the right on the right foot. And it really helps with overall satisfaction um, on both my employees side, for one thing, because they have the right information. But the customers are grateful, too, because, you know, we're not asking them to repeat what they've already and discuss with the sales team. Yeah, the the beauty
0: is, and this is something you guys probably haven't even experienced yet, is once you once you start tracking those results, and then your customer success managers start reaching out to clients and say, "Gee, so zero to ten, how are we doing in addressing those needs, and how have we done in in, in achieving those results?" Once the client says, "Oh, it's a ten, it's great," you're in a perfect position to expose them to other ways you can help them and to get referrals into other organizations that might be looking for those same types of results.
1: You're 100% correct.
0: So I just, I don't know if you've started to experience that yet, but that little follow up, all of a sudden it becomes a magical way. You know, everyone's always trying to figure out how do I get referrals? How do I get more business from an existing client?
1: And guess what? When you start measuring the results, it becomes pretty easy. You know, we have started to see that. We haven't been able to to measure that yet because this is a, a fairly new part of the process. But we are going to be looking at that because we we track things like our um, NPS scores and satisfaction scores and churn levels and all those types of you know corporate metrics that you want to to use as a benchmark for for how you're doing. And we can really get to that all the way down to the rep level. So I'm excited to see how. The impact of this takes hold with our customers. And I think the thing that we have already started to see, which, which we've just built on more with this process, is how we're different than other folks in our space. Um, most of our competitors today are large telecommunications companies, and they have products that and they certainly work, but where they fall down is on everything that happens after the sale. And what we're really focusing on and what we've found our niche to be is not only do we have more knowledgeable folks that understand fleets and how the data that we're getting can drive organizational success. But we support it and we have the resources in place after the sale is made to make sure that we actually get them those results. And so I think over time, the payoff for us is going to be that last piece there where the results take hold. And that's when the referrals and all the other things that we we all certainly get today are going to go through the roof.
0: Yep. You know, and and it's something I look forward to seeing how that how that plays out going forward. Building the right sales talent in your organization can be a challenge. I mean, how do you know which candidates are going to do well and which ones aren't and even which questions to ask in the interview process to figure it out? Well, you don't have to struggle with it anymore. The people at Peak Sales Recruiting have come up with a free sales interview guide. And if you need help finding the right candidates, these guys are total rock stars at finding those right candidates and helping them understand why they'd be better off working for you than somebody else. To get their free guide and to learn more, visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. Now, I know you had one of your business units... Um, where when, when I first came out for your, um, for your sales meeting, I think there were about like 20% of them, maybe less, maybe more were actually hitting their numbers. And I know you focused a lot on that group.
1: We have, and, uh, this is our small business group here, uh, in Scottsdale. And we, one of the things that you recommended, and I will tell you at first it was, I, I knew it was a good idea, but it's one of those things that, um, is uncomfortable, which is role playing. You recommended that we we do it every week, and I, I took we, we took your your um the
0: improv uh, same cards. side
1: selling cards. Yeah, the improv same side improv cards. The, yeah. Im- the improv cards, and we started with those, and so we started doing it every week. And I'll, I will tell you that we were we were bad, but we <laughs> we kept doing it, and and it was uncomfortable, and but very very quickly. Not only did it become comfortable, it actually became very fun. And the, and what we started to do was get very creative with the team, with what we did every week. And we started doing everything from using the cards to even playing games. Like we we set up a, a Family Feud where we had um, an issue would pop up. We 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 downloaded a Family Feud app. We had contestants. We would put an issue up on the screen, and then the best question for impact got more points and so we would have games like that on Fridays and it's really become one of our, you know, best activities that we do as a team from a team building perspective. And we've just made it more of a competition, a fun one where we'll even do kind of mock opportunities where one week we'll, we'll do a discovery call. We'll break people into teams. They, they compete to see who can do the best discovery call, find out the real issues if they ask the right questions and then the second week, they come back and they, they focus on that concise business case. That's great. And who, write, who writes the best one? They get points for that. And then the final week, we do a demo. And it's incorporating all those things to show, here are the issues we talked about. This is the impact that, that you told us it would have on your organization. Here's how we solve these. And here's how we're going to measure them. And so we kind of complete that process. And it's been really, really fun.
0: That's that's great. And I love the fact that, because I always tell people, look, initially, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable. But the question is, would you rather have that uncomfortable moment where you mess up in practice or in real life? And obviously, everyone would rather do it in practice. We just don't necessarily think of it that way. So a, a year later, and it's almost like when, when we're recording this, it's almost a year to the day, like within a week or two of a year ago, and we did this. So That group, I think you said it was about 20% of them were hitting their numbers. What are you seeing
1: today? Right now, uh, as of this morning, because I I looked, we are at a 90% on target to plan with a a couple of the members of the team that could be at over 200%.
0: That's great. And in terms of year-over-year sales, what are you seeing in that group?
1: Well, obviously, it's a a gigantic increase. It's, It's probably... That number I don't have about, off the top of my head. It's a, a solid 50% increase.
0: That's, um, that's, that's great. And, and the thing is, you know, I, I always tell people it's about having the discipline to do the work. I mean, you know, I can share these concepts with people all day long. It's the fact that you've got the discipline in the organization to put in the structure, to have the reinforcement. And the beauty is this, is that I guarantee there are people listening thinking, oh, yeah, but, man, we, we can't afford to have Ian with us every single week. So, you know, how many times have have I been out to your facility? Once. Yeah. So, and and when I tell people, look, if you do this, I'm going to give you the tools, I'm going to give you a formula that if you execute it, you can actually achieve some pretty remarkable things. I'm not saying it doesn't require work, but I just think that in some cases, people may just overcomplicate things. And if we do it right, it doesn't have to be that complicated. And obviously... They're in a single thing, you know, uh, you know i'm I'm proud to be able to take one percent credit for what you guys are doing because it's all the execution and the discipline to actually follow through with it and your commitment to your customers, because you have to be committed to your customer success
1: or none of this works. I completely agree. and, and the the point that I would add is that it is a lot of work, but it actually becomes really fun. So it isn't work. Uh, the role playing and all those things that we were kind of just talking about—that is something that I look forward to now every Friday, because yeah. it's really the the time when we all get together. We we get a lot accomplished, but we're just having a great time doing it.
0: Yeah, I, I remember one, one of my other one of my other clients. They said, "Well, I mean, so you 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 set us up to do these improvs every Friday, but and this is the CEO. He says, you know, I walk past our sales area.'" when they're doing these things and I don't think they're working cause they're just all laughing and having a good time. And I say, Oh, okay. Well, what kind of results are you seeing? Oh, people are crushing it, but I don't know. They're really working when and it's just, no, no, that's the whole idea. Like it's okay to have this be fun and drive results at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think it's really, it's getting through probably the first three weeks of just, okay, this isn't fun because you're just not very good at it Yeah, and it's uncomfortable. But as soon as you break through, everything changes and it's just everyone lets their guard down, you know, as managers, we get in there, we do the same, we walk the talk, you know, we'll get, we'll role play with anyone who wants to. And it's really helped all of us. Yep. And do you you have people who are resistant or is pretty much everyone on board now? Well, I think that there are always people when you introduce change, there are, there are people that, um, you know, take longer to, To grasp what we're trying to do. Um, The small business team, one of the things that I I realized quickly is that they're um, they have of our whole team makeup the probably the least amount of work experience. So they are the easiest to work with from a coaching perspective because they're they're sponges and they just soak all this stuff up. People that have been selling for a long time and maybe have developed you know, different habits over time, those are the ones that have taken longer, but everyone has gotten there. It just took some longer because you're, you're essentially asking people to stop doing what they may have been doing for 10 years and try something new. And that's, that can be really hard.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, any, any time we're changing behavior, what I often say to people, I mean, I love the fact that you said, look, the first few weeks, it was awful. It was painful. And so people say to me, well, what's the expectation? I said, look, it's probably going to take 60 to 90 days till you start seeing a positive trend. But then that trend will start to get pretty steep in terms of positive results. I don't know if that was your experience or not.
1: Yeah, I think actually what you told me is it might get worse.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, I don't know. Well, it may have. It may, it may have gotten worse. But it, again, after about three weeks, you started to see a few folks – started to get it. And then after five weeks, more got it. And and now we're at a point where I sit in this meeting every Friday and just really smile at at how good the whole team has become at fluently using the questions that really matter and, and asking the right questions of our prospects and customers so that we can do a better job supporting them. And it's just fun to watch the progress.
0: That's awesome. So, if you had if you had one piece of advice for people, like, hey, here's the formula for getting this thing done. What's what's the single biggest area you would focus on?
1: That's a very good question. I think the the most important thing is to to do this to you know make a commitment to having you come out take the team through the process and the training, but it shouldn't just be the sales team. It should be marketing and anyone who's really touching a customer, because I think that this can be used in so many places. Again, you're only limited by how creative you want to get and how much um, you really want to drive a better customer experience for your organization, because you can use this not only in marketing, sales, and account management, but I would argue that you could also use it on the support side, too. So getting the, the more people you get involved and then really, you know, after the training, putting a plan together, here's what we're going to do. It's going to take time. It's going to be hard, but making a commitment to it and and just get going. Um, so, it, you know, it's just uh, it takes a little effort, um, but I think that the results are um, well worth it.
0: That's awesome. So, Jason, what's the best way for people to learn more about
1: GPS Insight? The best way would be to go to our website, which is gpsinsight.com, and you can find lots of great information about how we might be able to help people that are struggling in certain areas with their fleet and want to get better and, you know, from a safety perspective or an efficiency perspective, as an example. Um, or you can simply give us a call. Um, so, you know, either way uh, that works and we are here to help as what we like to say to people. And if we can't help you, we're going to let you know. So we have a, um, a very low pressure um, way of approaching things. And it's really about identifying if there's an issue that we can help you solve. And if you're interested in solving that with us, we're really interested in listening and finding out more and continuing to work with you through the process. That's awesome,
0: sounds very same side. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're trying to do. All right, Jason, thanks so much. Hey, thank you. Let me give you a quick 30 second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, notice how Jason's team is using the same side quadrants and they've got it integrated into their CRM and NetSuite to make sure that information is shared with everybody. They're also making sure they don't submit proposals or jump to demos without having the information in those same-side quadrants. Their weekly practice of same-side improv has become one of the most fun things in their business, and that discipline of practicing every week has really driven results. They acknowledge that it's okay to get worse before you get better, And they've spread these same-side selling principles across their marketing and customer experience side to make sure that the handoff from department to department is seamless. Remember, this show gets its direction from you. If there's a guest I should have in the program or of a topic you'd like me to cover, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially
1: your customer.